0: Welcome to How to Launch an Industry, brought to you by Marku and Aurora, your go-to scientific advisors for cannabis and psychedelics. We have a fun show lined up for you, listener and some extremely exciting guests to introduce. First, I'd like to introduce Kileche Osemele. Kileche is an athlete and former NFL player. He won the Super Bowl with the Baltimore Ravens in 2013, was first team All-Pro in 2016, and is a two-time Pro Bowler. Welcome to the show, Kileche. So excited to host you today.
1: Appreciate it. Thanks for having me.
2: Not officially retired, right?
1: Not officially retired.
2: I don't know (laughs) about former. He may be playing. No, no, seriously. We're chatting about this. He may be playing this season. We don't know. We don't know. All
1: right. Give him a call. Give him a call. Yeah, I just got to call my agent then. Oh, I see. I see. They're they're calling
0: him, but he's got to call him back. Okay. That sounds about right. Um, Okay. Well, next, I'd like to introduce returning guest, Hadass Alterman. Hadass is an attorney and the head of government affairs at the American Psychedelic Practitioners Association. Welcome back, Hadass.
3: Thanks for having me.
0: Great to have you. Now, I'd like to introduce our very own cast member here at HLI, Anna Simons. Anna is the executive director of the Etheridge Foundation and a former women's premier league rugby player. Always a joy to podcast with you, Anna.
2: Ah, oh, it's so good to be here.
0: Awesome. And uh, we shout out to uh, our favorite cannabinoid pharmacologist, Dr. Jehan Marku, who is tending to some urgent cannabinoid business. So he'll be with us on the next show, I'm sure. Uh, so we have some great topics lined up for the show today. Uh, we'll warm up with a game testing the group's knowledge of changing regulations related to psychedelics. In jurisdictions around the world Uh, for the rest of the episode we'll jump into the world of sports in the news section we'll get the group's opinion of figures in sports and other mainstream sectors stepping into the world of cannabis and psychedelics and for rapid fire science we'll look at a paper titled therapeutic potential for cannabinoids in sports medicine a current literature review so we'll take a short break and we'll be right back Welcome back. We'll kick off this episode with our game segment that I'm calling Shifting Regulations. And what you didn't hear, listener, is that we've had a very competitive warm-up on our break. So uh, let's see where we go. All right, panelists. So the way this is going to work is that I've got um, four rounds in each round. I'll ask a question or two, and then everyone gets a chance to respond Whoever gets closest to the answer or gets the right answer. We'll get a point, and at the end, we'll see who has the most points and who wins the game. So uh, I'm gonna go ahead and start it off in round one. So round one is about Australia, the best place ever. Oh, haven't been, but uh, need need to. Anna, you played in Australia, right?
2: I did uh, many years ago, but I've I've been back and visited a number of times. Some good friends there.
0: What's your
1: uh, What's your favorite spot out there? Oh,
2: well, I. I'm a little biased. My friends live in the northern beaches of Sydney, so I've spent a lot of time there. Yeah, uh, let's (laughs) go. What about you? Yeah,
1: Sydney's awesome. Yeah, Sydney. Sydney for sure. I had a Melbourne phase and my artsy phase, but yeah, I love beaches.
2: He's an artiste.
0: (laughs) A little bit, a little bit. (laughs) So speaking of Australian beaches and things that are good to do on beaches, let's talk about (laughs) drug policy. So... Australian drug policy was recently uh, making major headlines as the country has decided to reschedule MDMA and psilocybin on a federal level. However, this rescheduling from Schedule 9, which is prohibited substances, to Schedule 8, which is controlled medicines, will only apply when those two compounds are used for specific diagnosed conditions. So the question is, what are the two conditions that MDMA and psilocybin will be approved for? It's got to
1: be depression and PTSD.
0: C- hold on. Hold on. So, <laughs> Kaleche's coming in hot with depression and PTSD. Uh, what else we got? is right. Oh, cool.
3: <laughs> so, it's probably um, chronic treatment-resistant PTSD for MDMA. And specifically, major depression disorder for psilocybin.
2: Ooh, <gasps> yeah.
3: She's a lawyer and a doctor.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Anna, are you gonna are you gonna agree with your um, with your co-panelists, or are you going to offer a different angle here?
2: <laughs> I concur with my colleagues.
0: Well, it looks like. <laughs> Everyone gets a point because those are the two conditions. Nice. let Yeah. So, um, all right. So I'm keeping um, track of score over here and everyone gets a point for that one. So the next question is, there is some debate among experts and news outlets reporting on when these drugs will actually become available to prescribing psychiatrists and how difficult it will be for psychiatrists to receive accreditation to do so. According to Forbes reporter David Carpenter, how soon might these compounds be available to patients? So let's say, give me a a month and a year. When do you think patients in Australia are actually going to be able to receive MDMA or psilocybin?
3: So on paper, it's July 1st of this year, but like, who knows when it's actually going to happen?
2: Yeah. So if you think about like, my thought process on this, you know, I used to live in Oregon for many years, and we passed uh, psilocybin assisted therapy. And when it passed, I think there was a two plus year rulemaking. But then they in that not only do they need to make the rules, they need to set up the testing facilities, and um, they need to license suppliers and prescribers and all those things i would probably say like it'll probably take i don't know i would say january 2026 i'm going to be really pessimistic about this
0: <laughs> okay uh Kile- Kileche, what do you say uh i don't know why
1: i was thinking this month but <laughs> i'm <was> thinking like <laughs> april april of april of 2024 like <laughs> that's what i was thinking for 2024
0: I, li- I like the sound of that date um <laughs> So, um, you know what I'm going to do? I like everyone's answer. So Hadassah's answer is the legal answer, which makes sense. (laughs) Um, It's supposed to be July 23. I think Anna's answer also makes sense in the, in the sources I used speculated the same. And, um, pending that speculation, I think, uh, Kileche's answer is perfectly reasonable. So I'm going to, again, give everyone a point for this round. (laughs) Now nah, you're just giving out
1: participation <laughs> trophies, man. <laughs> yeah, so every,
0: no, no. Well, it's it's about to get harder. It's about mm. to get harder. So we're going out out of round one with everyone having two points. So let's go into round two. One of Australia's neighbors is also making a shift in federal policy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's coming out hot. Uh, okay, let me finish. Let me finish. Let me finish. Okay. Both recreational and medical cannabis are currently illegal in this country, but several news outlets have recently reported that Epidiolex, an FDA-approved treatment for epilepsy, which is derived from cannabis, will soon be made legal in this country, giving some hope to patients. What country is it? New Zealand. Okay. uh is on New Zealand. Uh, who else guessed?
3: i New Zealand, okay, maybe South Africa. I don't really know what's near Australia, <laughs>
1: and also New Zealand's progressive as f- man, it's right. super chill over there. Like,
2: <laughs> yes, and no, some things they're ahead, and some things drug policy they're a little slow.
1: Yeah, 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 true.
0: Let me say, let me say, when I see when I say neighbors, uh, I should clarify, I meant. On that side of the world. Oh okay, I mean, yeah. uh yeah. So feel free to try feel free to try again if you want to go a little bit further. If you want
3: Yeah, are they like <laughs> spiritual energetic neighbors? Or are they geographic neighbors?
0: They they're geographically on the same side of the
1: earth. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's gotta be a new deal. It's an eastern country. It's not a western country.
3: Can we pull up a map?
1: Yeah. Indonesia? No way. No, I can't be Indonesia. See,
2: that's what I I was gonna guess. Indonesia, because it's Epidylex, which is pharmaceutical. I think New Zealand has medical cannabis. Uh, Maybe they, I think they do, but it's really limited. But you know what? When you started going this direction, I was like, I know this, and nobody's gonna know it because it's under the radar. Vanuatu, the island of Vanuatu uh is legalizing cannabis i just read a story about it the other day one of my dude friends,
1: i've never even heard of yeah,
2: it yeah one of my friends who's from fiji is paying a lot of attention to these developments and so i was like yes i'm gonna know this and but it, when you said epidiolex i was like oh no that's not it so anyway i'm gonna guess indonesia i don't know
0: anna's in with indonesia all right Kalecha, what do you think i'm still going with new zealand man you said it's not western though it will uh, it's not on the western half. It's not like in in North America, South America, or Europe. Are you saying culturally it's not Western? Culturally it's not Western. Yeah. Oh. Then it can't be New Zealand. I'm really yeah, I'm really trying to get you all away from this New Zealand.
1: <laughs> <laughs> then I would guess I would guess Indonesia too. I would guess too. Indonesia, too. I mean, I was okay. able to find streams there, so I don't know. <laughs> Same. <laughs> I mean,
3: I guess I'll guess Indonesia also, but, like, I just want to go on the record saying I need, I need, I can't, I need a map. Like, I can't picture anything near Australia. Just just on that, like, picture on that side of the Pacific.
1: It's literally just, like, New Zealand and Indonesia. It's, like, where, where they all travel anyway, too. It's Nuguri, like where they all hang out.
2: The Philippines Singapore uh, But none of them
1: Even go there You gotta think of Like the cultures And the types Ooh. of people That would actually Be living in these places
2: Maybe it's Singapore And why they
1: would Need those I'm changing things.
2: it If everyone else Is saying Indonesia I'm not no, Singapore
1: No no they, they got death penalties For the dumbest <laughs> Bro, there's no I, way. But it, this, is no pharma,
2: way. this is a pharma. It's Epidiolex, which is like the pharmaceutical version Dude, of CD
0: I, I
1: cannot. That would be so contradictory of them to have that there. Like,
0: okay, so final. I'm going to give you guys a final hint. And Hadas, if you want to look at a map briefly, that's cool. I'm looking at a map. Um, so, okay, look at a map.
3: <laughs> what do I even Google? Things don't near go- Australia. Don't. Google the internet,
1: what well, right.
0: we lost, we lost. She's on I'm Google. Show
3: you guys.
0: Just pull up Google Maps and zoom way out. <laughs> that's what oh, I do. So we
2: we could be talking <laughs> Japan. We could be talking
0: India. So that's you, you said neighbors. China? That was so misleading. <laughs> so I'm gonna give you a hint. I'm gonna give you a hint, and then let's get final okay. guesses. So because we got a lot more to talk about okay, on okay. this show. So um, the hint is that what uh, y'all were just rattling off that is a better idea of what i meant by neighbors. <laughs> so, think so it's a it's a little more broad. Like when it could be as far as any of the places you just said all would be reasonable guesses and now i'm requesting final guesses. Kileche. what do you say? So
1: you're saying it's on just not our hemisphere at all. It's towards that. Yeah. Yeah. You got to repeat the prompt again.
0: Okay. Here we go. One of Australia's Neighbors in the Eastern Hemisphere is also making a shift in federal drug policy. Both recreational and medical cannabis are currently illegal in this country, but several news outlets have recently reported that Epidiolex, an FDA-approved drug for treatment of epilepsy, which is derived from cannabis, will soon be made legal in this country, giving some hope to patients. What is the country?
1: Dang. Um Yeah, I'm gonna guess Japan.
2: I was gonna change to Japan. Ugh.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well it's okay. You can you can guess the same country if you well, want.
2: Well, I want to, but I'm I'm gonna go with Singapore just to be different.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. Okay. <laughs> Hadas What's What say you? This
3: is agonizing. Um,
0: <laughs> a- <laughs> yeah, this is a- 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 agonizing. To call a- back a- this. to a That's recent exactly. episode
3: title on this pod. Um, I'm going to stick with the classic and say Indonesia. Mm.
0: Okay. <laughs> okay. 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 Um, there's a cool metal song called Indonesia, which I'll share with the group later. Um, okay. in uh, the big reveal. The answer is, in fact... Japan.
1: Oh, no wow, dude. dude. Oh, awesome. I, I
2: felt like it was, It had to be an industrialized country with that could pay that amount for healthcare prescriptions, you know,
0: totally. Like, so, yeah. um, all right. So we go out of round three with Kileche in a slight lead, three points to Anna and Hadas both on two points. Um, okay. Going into round three. Continuing on our journey of shifting federal drug policies around the world, let's take our attention to Beckley SciTech. Beckley SciTech are a company developing psychedelic compounds into licensed pharmaceutical medicines. Beckley has recently brought on a new investor and shareholder that some may find unlikely. The new investor is a fund whose financial resources come from the taxpayer's of which sovereign nation? Whoa! So, so I'll say I'll say it again in brief. Uh, Beckley Cytec makes psychedelic drugs as medicine, and they just got uh, investment from a country from a investment fund that is owned by a country.
1: I'm gonna guess GIC, uh, Singapore Sovereign Wealth Fund.
0: Oh, okay, okay, okay. All right, coming at me with the sovereign wealth. Because <laughs> I know
1: they have an office here.
0: Okay,
2: I'm going to say Qatar.
0: Okay, yeah, they'd be buying soccer teams. They'd be buying psychedelics companies. Who knows?
1: Yeah, they do whatever. Uh, <laughs> they do whatever they
0: want. Okay, okay, okay. Um, Hadas, what do you think?
3: God, Church of England. I don't know. Like <laughs> Amanda Fielding <laughs> is like royalty, right? Like she's like British nobility or something. So I kind of want to say we're talking about that part of the world. Um, can I just generally say like the crown?
0: Uh, the crown of what country? The UK. Okay. So what sovereign nation do you want to say?
3: Um, Let's go
2: with England.
0: All right, cool. Ooh. Um, can I okay, wait? So- can I change? <laughs> This is your no, last chance you I was to gonna say
2: Denmark, but I'm just gonna stay. I'm gonna stay the course. That
1: actually, that's not a bad guess.
2: If it's Denmark, I'm gonna be furious. I'll be outraged.
1: Right. <laughs> <laughs> I want to go Kingsday.
0: <laughs> where Where do you want to go, Kaleche?
1: King's Kingsday. It's like uh, it's like their festival. They all wear like orange.
0: Oh. And they like walk
1: off streets and have huge festivals, like live music. It's like it looks wow. insane
0: the orange tide, right?
1: Yeah. They were all, all everybody wears like orange and blue.
0: That's what they, there's something about that with the Dutch national uh, soccer team is the orange tide thing. I don't know. Anyways. Um, so uh, to take us back uh, to the big reveal. So Beckley Psy uh, is located in England. And in fact, it is the um, UK and UK taxpayers who are now shareholders in mm. Beckley Psy so, oh, yeah. Okay. So Damn. we leave round three with Hadas and Kileche even on three points and Anna trailing with two points. So, <laughs> <gonna bring that laughs> out
1: of you better be careful, man.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Question three is an arm wrestle,
0: <laughs> a v- virtual, virtual arm wrestle. It will be, be, so, be two on one to make it fair. Yes. Oh, my That's gosh. True. Yeah. You guys
2: against me. You guys against me to make it fair. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just, obviously.
0: So, okay. Uh, let's go into round four. Uh, round four takes us back home to the United States, and in particular to Colorado. Colorado uh, passed Proposition 122, which we covered in a recent episode called Altered States and uh, the proposition calls for regulation of certain psychedelics in the state of Colorado. This month uh, the advisory board for creating those regulations was announced by the governor's office and we have our final two questions about this topic. So the advisory board has 15 members, but there was an open call for applications. So my question is for the 15 slots how many people thought they were qualified to advise Colorado on psychedelics, and how many people submitted applications for those slots? How would anybody know that? This one's random. This one's super random. I told you it's going to get harder. I th-
3: I'm going to go with 150. Uh,
1: my guess would be like a thousand.
3: I'm going to say 750.
2: 750.
0: Uh is on. 500 is <laughs> on five hundred. <laughs> the price is right. Hadas, what'd you say? 175?
3: Uh, I said one fifty, but I actually kinda like one seventy five more.
0: <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and uh Anna, what'd you say?
2: I said seven fifty, which now sounds a little wild but Ridiculous. at the same <laughs> time think about people who are into psychedelics and feel that they are in a position to advise yeah i don't know you know i'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm, gonna, I'm just gonna stick with it i'm gonna stay the course
0: okay <laughs> 750 all right uh let's do the next question the, the final one and then i'll do the reveal so final question how long will those advisors have to complete the task of drafting Colorado's regulations to govern psychedelics' use in the state. So let's put a a period of time, years or months, on it. Two years. Okay. Hadassah is saying two years.
2: I mean, that's what I would go with based on Oregon.
1: Ooh. I'm going to guess a year. Okay.
2: You know what? I'm going to split the difference. I'm going to say 18 months.
1: Nice. (laughs)
0: <laughs> okay all right so time for our time for our big reveal uh and actually let me just get my head wrapped around this really quick so we left the last round with uh Kileche and hadas on three right and Anna on two right because anna was upset um,
2: <laughs> i mean i i wasn't that bothered
0: <laughs> so um big reveal um for the number of applicants, it was 215.
2: Hadass.
0: Oh, nice. So Hadass picks up an, an additional point.
3: I never get number questions right. So this is like a huge deal for me.
0: <laughs> so we have Hadass now on four points. And uh, for the final question, um, how long Anna got it right splitting the difference oh, nice. It is reported that it's 18 <laughs> months. So we finished the game with uh, Hadass on four points, Kileche on three and Anna on three. So Hadass, congratulations on advancing psychedelic science. <laughs>
1: We lost to the lawyer as we as we knew we would. <laughs> right?
2: Uh, she's too amazing for us.
3: <laughs> I mean the numbers was- were close, you guys. I'm a little concerned. <laughs>
0: She she was right on that Australia thing. She was like July first. And I was like, oh okay. I kind of like, Dude.
3: She's like, I actually have
2: a meeting there next week to talk to them about this.
0: That that actually would not I, I bet I bet Appa has um has members in Australia, probably, right?
3: Um we actually we've been getting blown up by New Zealand recently, which is interesting, mm. which is why I was kind of like Team New Zealand in that question. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um we might have some Aussies.
0: Well, uh, for the sake of (laughs) for the sake of HLI time, I'm going to move us along. Uh, Thank you, listener. We hope you enjoyed the game. We'll take a short break to hear from our sponsor, and we'll be right back with our news segment. I'm David
2: Valancourt founder and CEO of the GMP Collective. We educate and provide best practice standardization across the emerging cannabis and life science industries. By working in a collaborative manner, our clients realize unrivaled product quality and the ability to sustainably grow their business through compliance and operational efficiencies. Find us online at gmpcollective.com or shoot us an email at info@gmpcollective.com. Enjoy the show.
0: And we're back. Our topic for the news segment today is elite athletes stepping into the limelight when it comes to cannabis and psychedelics. We've seen this trend in cannabis over the last several years with laws changing rapidly nationwide and several prominent former athletes getting into the cannabis business. For example, Al Harrington with his brand Viola, Mike Tyson with Tyson 2.0, and Ricky Williams with his brand Heisman. However, while things with psychedelics are changing, they remain a bit more on the fringe of mainstream society than cannabis has become. So it's no surprise that it made headlines last year when Aaron Rodgers, quarterback for the NFL team, the Green Bay Packers, went public regarding his positive experiences with ayahuasca and psilocybin mushrooms. This month, Rodgers was back in the news as High Times reports Aaron Rodgers to speak at Denver Psychedelics Conference. That conference is called Psychedelic Science and is being put on by the Multidisciplinary Association for Psychedelic Studies, better known as MAPS. The conference is being billed as the largest psychedelics gathering in history, and Rogers will be speaking alongside many luminaries and living legends in the psychedelics field. Think folks like Amanda Fielding, um, who Hadass mentioned related to Beckley SciTech earlier, Dr. Julie Holland, Dr. David Nichols, and Dr. Dennis McKenna. These are some of the biggest names in the field. I personally think this is fantastic to have an NFL star speaking at this event and helping to destigmatize the responsible use of psychedelics. So I'm really curious to hear what the group has to say about this topic. And uh, Kileche, I wanna to go to you first. You played in the NFL for many years. Are psychedelics something that uh, were talked about? Has um, there been a shift over time?
1: No, definitely, definitely not. I feel like it's like starting to shift. Um, I would say like mushrooms and things of that nature still aren't super popular, LSD. I think it's just like the culture is so conservative. Um, people that come from like religious backgrounds, from the South, um, and then also just like, the structures that are kind of over you and try to, you know, control you a little bit because um, at the end of the day, you're like, you know, you're their product. Uh, I don't know. I think it's getting better um, with the CBA. They like allowed us to like smoke marijuana, but that was really just like a money thing. We lost on that deal with the TV deal and everything like that. But yeah, I don't know, man. I can't, I can't see it being a thing that's mainstream just because of the type of people that run um, these organizations aren't the type to, like, let go of control. Uh, obviously, I think it would be very beneficial because it would prevent so many things that uh, happen when you play such a violent game. Like, just, you know, a violent outburst from concussions or, you know, the PTSD or the stress that you go through, the things that you put through your body. Like, obviously, it would be beneficial it'd probably take you away from, like, depending on painkillers and opiates and stuff like that, it would be healthier in general. Like it would obviously be better, but yeah, I don't know, man. I think it's also just like probably the sponsors that they have, people that are signing them checks and and stuff like that. And there's there's so much going on. I think it's like a nonprofit. Can you even look into how much money they're making or where the money's coming from? I don't know, but (laughs) we'll see.
0: It's yeah uh, no that's that's fine. There's no no definitive answer required. And one thing I'll say that I thought was interesting is in the article from High Times that that we'll post the link to. They they asked um, after Rogers admitted to using ayahuasca, there was a question to the the league or the coach or to somebody, will he face a penalty for this? And then the answer, the official answer was. Well, that's ayahuasca is not on our banned substances list, so he's not going to face a penalty.
1: But what about the what about the the, the mushrooms? though?
0: So I didn't uh, it didn't speak to the mushrooms specifically, but I think it's one of these things and, and we'll get into this uh, on the cannabis conversation in the science section as well. But I think it's one of those things from what I what I've been reading is that uh, it's just one of those silly things where there are these rules and then humans are humans and then they go around the rules and then yeah. <laughs> and and so anyways yeah. um anna i uh i wanted to ask you a similar question about women's premier league rugby uh what was the attitude of of the players and of the league uh, regarding psychedelics uh <laughs> was that a thing is it a thing is it changing
2: so such a different such a very different uh context to where kalichi's coming from with um you know a notoriously uh, I don't know, rough employer, I would say the, the league, the NFL is, is a very tough employer to have. I would say from what I've heard from people who've worked for them (laughs) as players, um, for us, you know, and women's building women's professional sports in the U S especially a more niche sport like rugby, it's, you know, it's not like, um, the money is there. So we don't have, the same level of pressure around like sponsors that, that can hold us to certain things. But at the same time, there is this aspect of like USA rugby, our governing body really wants as they build the sport for it to be seen as family friendly. And there's still that stigma there around plant medicines and around psychedelic medicines. Um, but really the, the atmosphere within, within our league was, a lot more dependent on the team and kind of geography. So like, for example, my team based in Oregon, very cannabis friendly team, numerous players that like worked in the cannabis industry. And we would, you know, kind of stick up for our rights on that. Um, other West Coast teams tended to be more friendly. Um, Berkeley, you know, the Bay Area team um, is, is pretty open-minded team. <laughs> Um, but you know, there were, there are definitely players from all over who would use cannabis. Um, as far as psychedelics, I feel like that was talked about a little less, but you do see that geographic kind of stigma where maybe the, the West coast teams or the bluer cities are the ones where people are more like, oh yeah, they're more, I guess, educated on, um, taking away some of those taboos that aren't scientific. You know, they're not health related. People know a little bit more and they're not as afraid of these um, experiences.
0: Totally. So Hadas, I wanted to ask you, uh, so you're speaking at Psychedelic Science, the the conference. Uh, What's your perspective on Aaron Rodgers joining the speaker roster um, at the conference?
3: I love it. I think it's going to be really good for the culture. I think that the war on drugs has turned a lot of people off of drugs as it was intended to do and there's a lot of fear and there's a lot of shame and there's a lot of stigma and we need people to help reroute that that um cultural narrative. And I like how Aaron Rodgers talks about himself and his relationship to himself and his relationship to playing football. Um I was listening to Aubrey Marcus um, to the episode that Aaron Rodgers was on and they were talking about disappointment and how despite disappointment, Aaron Rodgers still loves that he gets to play. And he's not just grateful for like, the finite experience of winning a game, he's grateful that he gets to keep playing the game. And you can tell that he just cares so much, even though he also knows and acknowledges it's quote unquote, just a game and that it quote unquote, doesn't matter. But you could say the same thing about life. None of this inherently matters. And like, you know, the the desire to care and to move beyond the logic of indifference, to me, that's healing. Um because depression isn't just being sad. It's being totally apathetic and being hopeless. You know, it doesn't matter if I show up to this dinner party. It doesn't matter if I, you know, get out of bed and take a shower. It doesn't matter because I maybe don't matter. And, and he is so interested in his own human experience as a, as a person and as an athlete and as a teammate and as a leader. And I think that through his lens, through the lens of sports, through the lens of this hero, it's going to pique the curiosity of, of other people, of people who might not be open to psychedelics. And also more importantly, who might not be like that interested or curious or aware yet of what their relationship to themselves as spiritual beings are, or even just people who have like mental health stuff to work out. And so I think it's going to be really cool. I'm excited about it.
1: I I, I agree. I, I like that he talks about, how it affected his personal experience with his fear of death and how it really was like the first time he felt pure love. Yeah. And felt like supported, you know, that I thought that was really powerful. Like people are going to identify that as Athos right there. And then Athos is his credibility. Logos is his two-time MVP after I did it. So it's like multiple things. Like, it's like, how can you fight that argument with this guy coming up here talking? It's like, I'm a, I'm a better performer because I'm a happier person and I'm grateful to be alive. And if the healthier I am mentally and spiritually, that's going to allow me to play better physically. Yeah. It's a win-win.
2: Yeah. And I think even, I think Aaron's, I don't know him, but he's gotten attention in the media here and there for his, I guess you could say sort of uh conservative side beliefs around some issues and so I think he has the ability to cross over and speak to that audience who may not be receptive to that message coming from someone else. Um, but yeah. what I really liked about it, I feel like when, when you know, I've been asked questions about journalists, about athletes who are advocating, and some of them come in with these questions that are designed to be skeptical, that are inviting me to criticize and say, he's just doing this for the attention or something. And I don't feel that way at all. Um, Like this high times, you know, interview, well, they're quoting an interview he gave to USA Today, but it's just very human. He says, it gave me a deep and meaningful appreciation for life. Um, I felt pure love. And importantly, he says, forgiveness for myself and gratitude for this life from what seemed to be my ancestors. Like that is universal to human beings and it's so powerful, right? So I just, I look at this as a chance for people to remember that, that sports heroes or, you know, global icons are human beings with the same issues that we all face. You know, we self saying, you can forgive yourself. Who can't relate to that? We all have things that we're so hard on ourselves about, you know? So to me, that was really humanizing. And I think that's the important part of the message.
0: Very vulnerable. Totally. I, uh, no, I, I appreciate all those sentiments and, and, uh, Kileche hit on exactly what I was going to say that, when he was talking about what his experience, he didn't say, Oh, it made me better at football or it made me more relaxed for the game. He said, I've been afraid of dying since Y2K and now I'm not afraid of dying, you know? And it's, it, that just, I, I agree. So humanizing. And then uh, also I, I do agree that, um you know, being a prominent figure in the Packers in the Midwest um it's, it's a conservative area. And um, yeah. just having uh we have, in the psychedelics renaissance, which we've discussed that terminology on the show a, a, a significant amount recently, but that's what people call it. So we we have a lot of voices that are liberal voices. We have a lot of voices, like I was rattling off some of these, you know, legends in the psychedelics field that used to be more underground or a little bit more obscure, and now are headlining conferences. So. That's great. but, um it it takes all types. and uh, and, like I said, i I think it's absolutely fantastic that Aaron Rodgers is going to speak at psychedelic science. And um I'll give a little uh, self plug we've already mentioned. Uh, For folks that are going to attend the conference or looking for a reason, Hadassah is going to be speaking there. So definitely check out her talk. Also, um, How to Launch an Industry, the podcast you're listening to, is going to have a booth at the show. So definitely stop by our booth. A lot of our speakers uh, will be hanging out there from time to time. Um, And I'll say for myself that until picking this article for the show, I hadn't really started putting together um, the talks that I'm going to go to at psychedelic science, but I can pretty much guarantee I'm going to be standing in the back of the room to see what Aaron Rodgers (laughs) is going to say at this event. So um,
3: can I add one more thing about Aaron? Of course. So I just want to say, you know, I, I, I said something about like him visibly championing psychedelics is going to create space for people who might not otherwise think about, their spiritual selves or emotional selves or their need for healing. Um, and I don't want to conflate that group of people with conservatives or people in the Midwest. I think him talking about psychedelics is going to be powerful, hopefully, for conservatives and people in the Midwest to, to change their view on this field. Um, but, but the first thing I was referring to, I was actually just want to name, I'm specifically talking about men um, and like oh. masculinity mm. and how someone in his position who can do what he does physically and, you know, is as like successful and sort of like king like as he is in our culture is willing to be soft and talk about love and talk about vulnerability. And I think that's really beautiful and and really transcends psychedelics as well. Totally. Yeah.
1: And psychedelics help you get there. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. Can I
2: just add one more piece of info about psychedelic science? Yet another reason to go. Um, This is a sneak peek. Um, as of this taping, we haven't publicly announced, but we have confirmed that uh, Melissa Etheridge will be appearing to speak as well. Uh, yes. noted, uh, rock star, musician, mom, and um, of course the founder of the Etheridge Foundation, of which I am the executive director. So um, that's another example of somebody who is not a figure in the psychedelic science world, but is very much a piece of the culture and part of. Bringing that message to the world of like, here's my story, here's my family's story, and having that resonate with people. Um, So, yeah, anyway, I'm really excited about that. I'll be there too. Come see all of us. Kalechi's gonna come.
0: Oh, I'm, <laughs>
1: yeah.
3: <laughs> this is great news. Yes. Yeah. yeah.
2: yeah.
0: Kalechi is officially coming yeah. to the conference. Yeah, I'm pulling um, up. I'm pulling so, up. <laughs> so, and uh, Anna, actually, just while we're there, um, uh, would you mind just sharing with the listener for for folks who don't know? Could you just give a, a the brief um, background on on Etheridge Foundation and what you guys do? Can you just give us the thirty seconds about Absolutely.
2: it? Absolutely. Um. So, about two and a half years ago in twenty twenty, Melissa lost her son Beckett to opioids. He was only twenty one, and he had struggled um, with opioid use disorder for for years following a snowboarding accident where he was prescribed painkillers. Um. Obviously you know, the whole, all of that was devastating for their family, his loss, and also going down that, you know, spiral and struggling to help him and not finding effective resources to treat opioid use disorder. And this is something that touches families across America, geographically, socioeconomically, you know, every category. Um, so Melissa, you know, in her grief, she founded the Etheridge Foundation to support new research into transformative plant medicine treatments specifically for opioid use disorder. And so we have a very specific mission and focus, and we are the only nonprofit with that specific mission. There's a lot of overlap with with other allied groups. And um, so we love to collaborate with other nonprofits, but yeah, it's amazing work to be doing and I'm really grateful to, to get to do it.
0: Yeah. Thank you for sharing. We're uh, we're very proud to have uh, you as part of our show and as well to have Etheridge Foundation as a sponsor um, from last season and just generally um, in, enjoy kind of um, keeping up to date and participating in what Etheridge is doing. So yeah, we'll take a quick break and we'll be back with Rapid Fire Science. Hello, this is Jehan Marku. If you're looking for life sciences consulting in cannabis and psychedelics, look no further than Marku and Aurora. At our firm, we provide expert services from experimental design to technical project management and investor due diligence. If it has to do with the fundamentals and novel drug areas, we're your go to. Reach out to us at marku-aurora.com to schedule a discovery call today. Remember, that the application of scientific approaches and properly gathered data can give you an edge towards reaching your goal. Welcome back listeners. For our rapid fire science conversation, we'll be examining an article published in Current Sports Medicine Reports titled, Therapeutic Potential for Cannabinoids in Sports Medicine, Current Literature Review. While this article was published back in July 2021, I thought it gave a nice overview of the therapeutic areas cannabis might be useful for, specifically through the lens of sports medicine. The article discusses conditions including osteoarthritis, also known as degenerative joint disease, concussions, and chronic pain syndrome as well as performance-related factors like cardiovascular function and anxiety. The article also gives a very high-level overview of the pharmacology of the two most well-known cannabinoids, THC and CBD. The usual pharmacological suspects, the CB1 and CB2 receptors, are mentioned, including their varying levels in the central nervous system, cardiovascular system, liver, musculoskeletal system, reproductive organs, GI tract, peripheral nervous system, and the immune system. It was also good to see mention of TRIP receptors and serotonin receptors, as they may relate to modulation of pain, inflammation, anxiety, and more. These latter two are known to the savvy cannabis expert, but not always brought up when discussing the endocannabinoid system or assessing use of cannabinoids as medicine. Finally, the article draws frequent attention to the need for sports medicine doctors to have a working knowledge of cannabis as medicine, mostly because it has been and will continue to be used by athletes, whatever the legal status of certain cannabinoids may be. If our last article is telling us anything, this trend is only going to continue. So I'd like to uh, take the topic to the group. Uh, Kalechi, I'm super curious... Of the conditions that were listed here, arthritis or joint pain, concussions, chronic pain, cardiovascular performance, or sports-related anxiety, are any of these things that you saw uh, players using cannabis for?
1: Yeah, definitely, man. Like, playing after a game, had a teammate break his ribs. He had a long flight. I think it was like a London game or something like that. And so we're like, how can we help you feel better? Nothing was working. And so we had some edibles. <laughs> Gave it to the player and that helped him like fall asleep and helped with his pain. Little stuff like that on the road um, after an injury. Uh, everybody's brain chemistry is different, man. Like, not everybody responds the same to opioids or whatever. Some people respond better to cannabis than they do to those drugs. So um, I'm kind of like weirdly brain my brain chemistry. I feel more pain. Like, it makes me more mm-hmm. sensitive. Like, I can, I know when something's wrong. When I, consume cannabis like it alerts me to an injury i'm like oh i need to take care of myself this is injured uh so that's the opposite for me but for uh, some of my teammates yeah like it's like they're they're like yeah this makes me feel better
0: i think that speaks to also cannabis is very multi-dimensional and, and that's why I the point that the article was making that I fully support as a um, PhD scientist in the field, uh, J- Jay Han, who's usually on the show and is my business partner, has done a lot of continuing medical education around cannabis for medical doctors. Um, so uh, I, I support this sentiment that cannabis as a uh, polypharmacy, uh, as a plant with multiple valuable compounds in it it's not just a blanket okay here's cannabis it works there's some things that maybe uh thc is going to help with certain things maybe cbd is going to help with certain things maybe it's a uh ratio of those things or maybe it's other cannabinoids or other uh formulations (laughs) flavonoids exactly or or other formulations like like a topical maybe um uh, these are getting popular as well so um as with uh, our kind of general flow in the episode, Anna, I'm, I'm curious. You also were a uh, elite athlete for a long time. And, and um, I'm curious, uh, were you, uh, did you experience this thing of being pushed towards NSAIDs or opioids for coping with pain and inflammation. Um, is, is that something that happened in, in women's rugby as well versus saying, hey, cannabis is an option?
2: So interestingly, our situation, um, unlike, say, <laughs> being in the NFL where the medical care is sort of pushed on you according to what they want, um, mm. we are often left to fend for ourselves <laughs> and find, mm. you know, good medical care on our own, which is really hard to do. Um, I was lucky in that I did find a really good sports medicine doctor years ago, um, who was my doctor for years before I moved out of state. Um, you know, he's one of the team doctors for, a you know, NBA team as well. So he's used to working with athletes, but he's also an osteopath. So he was always, he was always cautious and conservative about giving me extra, like he did, you know, he's like, let's minimize like painkillers, and uh, NSAIDs. He, he would use those tools when they were necessary. Um, but it was interesting cause I, I felt like even with the activism I was doing, towards, you know, the end of my career, I couldn't bring up cannabis. Like I tried one time and I felt like pretty rebuffed. And so then I like, okay, then I like, maybe even a year later, I was like, Hey, can we talk about this? And he was like, Oh, well, the studies don't show much. And I can't really, you know, tell people about it. And, and I was like, well, you know, all your players are using it statistically, like 80, 90% of, of your players, like in the NBA, there's been estimates that like, you know, 80%, maybe. And, And so you should, and he was, and he kind of, you know, he's a very evidence-based doctor. And so he thought about that. Um, So me personally, I never, I was lucky that I found a really good resource for myself, but that takes a lot of, like, I saw a lot of doctors over the years before I found him that actually understood the needs of an athlete, because we are different than the typical population, everything from pain tolerance to um, what our biomarkers should look like, you know, um, there it's different and the different demands on our bodies. So I think there's still, and I, you know, I've, I moved away a couple of years ago, so I haven't seen him and I hope that he's continued to maybe, Um, Like I could send him this article, but just because I I (laughs) thought this article was pretty basic for anybody who studies cannabis science. You're like, oh, yeah, this is the same conclusions that we already know. But what I liked about it is that it talked about concussions quite a bit and talked about because that's such an important area um, for of therapeutic potential. And. Um, I was surprised when it talked about the GPR 55 receptor that it didn't mention Parkinson's and the associations that are being found potentially with that receptor. Um, and then what I didn't like was, uh, in the adverse reactions section, it feels like a little both sides ish because the, I mean, the article they cited, like my issue with a lot of cannabis science is when they group like cannabis or CBD, together, but there's a big difference in how um, like synthetic CBD or CBD isolate works in the body versus a full spectrum or whole plant derived CBD. Um, So they're like, you know, they're not all the same. And so when we have a review that groups all these studies together and it's saying, oh, it found these issues. Well, was that with CBD isolate, you know, separated out, tell us because I think, you know, so not a bad article, but I had a little, some nitpicks with it.
1: I always get a little frustrated when I don't see anything about fertility, like male fertility. Cause I keep hearing like converse information. Like one doctor will be like, Oh, like your, um, hypothalamus, like your pituitary gland, it won't produce, uh, testosterone the same where there'll be like an interruption between the signal between, you know, your, your testes in your brain if you smoke too much. Look at this study, and then this study is like, um, it shows it in the study, then there's another study that's like, oh no, it doesn't affect um, you know, your sperm. Or one study will be like, oh yeah, it increased the amount of azusporia, like uh it increased it decreased the amount of like uh semen quantity in exactly Like all of these things that are obviously related to like longevity and vitality in a male that's important. And it's like, why don't any of these studies have any conclusive information on how it affects like male fertility like that's like the most frustrating thing when i read these studies it's like why is there no information on something so important and then there's this guy you ever heard of the Huberman labs guy dr Huberman?
3: oh i love him
1: yeah like he literally was just like hey sorry about it guys but the research shows that this affects fertility i was listening to his podcast on fertility and that's what like had me researching all this stuff because i've just been like hearing like just like converse information so frustrating
2: And I think, I think there's just like levels of nuance that really matter. I don't know if you can group it all together because like, what was the cannabis formulation? Was it a human or animal study? And then what were the doses and the frequency? Like if somebody's a chronic user, that's a huge difference than even just once a week using a cannabis product or something. You know what I mean? Like it's, we know, we know we need more studies and better studies, but. um, Yeah.
1: Yeah. They grouped it by like, um occasional to chronic and then there was difference between those two groups and then like non-users but they didn't say like the type of cannabis that was used like it wasn't specific enough
2: i think i saw that too wasn't it like non-users did worse than occasional users but chronic users did the worst or something like that
1: yeah, those chronic users had like the uh um different morphology like they had like messed up morphology the shape of the of the semen and then they also had like the decrease in motility um and then people that were like on that lower level still had some issues with morphology um had a little bit better motility and then obviously like the people that claimed that they never you know touched it at higher sperm concentration and better motility yeah so i
0: don't know i really uh i really appreciate y'all bringing up these, uh, critiques of the study. Cause you saved me breath on critiquing the study. <laughs> and, uh, and that's something, um, uh, that, that we love doing here on the show. We, we bring up articles that are great. We bring up articles that are less great. And part of our, um, ethos here on the show is to just give an honest assessment of them from uh, our our different angles. So uh Kaleche, super appreciate you bringing up that. I know that is a concern for a lot of men and and um cannabis is medicine uh and so for folks who want to use it as medicine, they should be able to have a they should be able to have resources, right? So yes. we can go down the rabbit hole of you know, uh, prohibition causing some of these issues with, with the research. But one other thing I want to point out is I'm not uh, sure of exactly which study, uh, the, the, that you guys were just talking about, but there's another problem that a lot of these studies that they'll do on populations. Uh, it's not that they, um, tracked, um, people using cannabis over 20 years and track their fertility, what they do um, is they'll go to some hospital database and they'll pull the records of a hundred thousand patients over the last 20 years from some hospital in Minnesota. And we've we've reviewed papers like this on the pod before and then they'll say, okay, well, we see that looking at this old hospital data, men who reported using cannabis, also showed that they had fertility issues and then they're drawing some conclusions, but then there's just so many other factors that, okay, well, um, what were they at the hospital for? Um, what other drugs did they use? Um, alcohol and so so on and so forth. So, Mm. yeah.
1: So the one that I'm talking about is, uh, brain sciences is the, uh, is the study.
0: I was going to point out one more thing and then I, I want to ask a Hadassah question. So one other thing, um, it's interesting uh, when Jehan and I were discussing um, what to chat about on the show. He had actually brought up um, that it would be good for the science section to do a, um, a sexual function. Uh, focused uh, science segment for cannabis. So um, it's it's uh, cool that he had suggested that and then we kind of naturally progressed there. So we'll check out this study and uh, I'm sure we can incorporate that into a future episode because I know Jehan was interested to moderate on that topic and bring it to the show. So, um, you know, some things are just meant to be talked about, I guess. And don't forget um, libido
2: in that too because that's another...
0: Totally. Yeah. Th-
2: because for women cannabis has tended to show that helps with libido, <laughs> which is, you know, a sexual function issue that gets ignored a lot in our medical system too. So, hmm.
0: so, um, I do, uh, I wanted to take us on to the conversation a little bit. Um, Hadas, I wanted to ask you a question. So we've had a, a, fairly large focus so far in the show about contact sports like, uh, football, American football and about rugby, but, uh, Literature shows that there are uh, people using cannabis for a lot of other physical activities. Um, do you want to share a little bit about uh, what other kind of activities folks are using cannabis for?
3: Sure. So, th- <laughs> this is so scary. I'm like about to talk about sports in front of professional athletes and chemistry in <laughs> front of a chemistry PhD, but I'm going to try. So, um, yeah, so there's this, uh, an article in. Journal of Cannabis Research that followed people who use cannabis either before or during they exercise. So they talked to hikers and weightlifters and people doing yoga and people going on runs. And they said that the benefits that the, the respondents enjoyed were, you know, feeling focused, feeling in the zone, having an increased mind-body connection, um, and, and just a general enjoyment for what they were doing, which is great. And it actually, it reminded me of this talk that I heard Stephen Kotler, who studies, um, he's a researcher and he studies peak performance. He shares this anecdote where he had early ops with a bunch of professional snowboarders at Squaw Valley. And it's like 7 a.m., winds at 90 degrees, it winds at 90 miles an hour, it's 10 degrees below, and all these kids are about to jump off like a hundred foot cliffs and do backflips. And instead of getting like mentally prepared and thinking through all of the steps of what they're going to do, they're just huddled together getting stoned. Um, and a few years later, once he starts researching cannabis for performance, he realized that cannabis is actually um, getting these elite athletes into a flow state in those situations. So like, Flow state is a state is an altered state of consciousness where you're basically better at everything. And it's not because you're accessing more of your brain, it's actually because you're accessing less of it. And the technical term that Kotler gives for it is transient hypofrontality. So transient meaning temporary, hypo meaning to slow down, and frontality as in your prefrontal cortex. So that's why when you're in a flow state, Time dilates because time is calculated all throughout your prefrontal cortex. So things slow down and you're plunged into this thing called the deep now. So you're not thinking about the scary stuff that could happen in the future or bad things that happened in the past. Maybe like the last time you attempted a balance pose in yoga or the last time you tried to like ski down a black diamond. Um, and, And the same thing happens with your sense of self, which is also calculated through your prefrontal cortex. Um, your inner critic goes silent and you can take risks and you can be present and you can be creative. And there's a whole neurochemistry to this that I don't want to attempt in front of Nigam. but the result of it is skills like creativity and um, motivation and, and innovation skyrocket in a flow state. So to bring it all back, cannabis can trigger that and work as this performing and en- performance enhancing chemical, um, which you know if you've ever done a yoga class um, where time just goes by really quickly, or you feel like you're in your body in a way that walking around in your daily life you're not. Um, I I really see the the link between those two things, and obviously there's a way to access flow state. There's tri- you trigger it without cannabis, but when I have Consumed cannabis and done yoga personally. I definitely like I experience it differently, and I do think the thing that resonates is like I am focused in a different way, and and I'm I am in that that deep now. You know, like jazz musicians call it being in the pocket, where all all that exists is right there, and so the fear and the noise just isn't taking as much energy. I I think one of the things that um that I really like about substances that occasion altered states of consciousness is that they do allow you to to like unzip a potential reality that you can access through other things. And I don't think that there's anything inherently wrong with accessing altered states of consciousness through substances. And some people need that forever and some people need that just at first. And we're all, you know, our brain chemistry is different. Our personalities are different. But like when you can, um, change your mind to believe that that is possible. The idea that then like you can feel that way all of a sudden that's real to you. And then the thought that like you can cause yourself to essentially hyperventilate and feel that way again, while you're like sitting in the back of an Uber, you know, (laughs) um, you don't even have to break any laws. Right. I
2: always look at it like sort of building a bridge to that place so you can go back there more easily. You know what I mean? Like, and whether that's through because it's our minds that are so powerful, but sometimes it helps to have a catalyst to show us the way to get to that state. That's so beautiful. And so like fulfilling, you feel so alive.
0: You know, this, this makes me think of something interesting that there's these like certain barriers, you know, some people, will not pursue a certain path because of barriers, right? So just listening to y'all talk about um, opening the mind and the flow state and getting there with substances or not. I wonder how many incredible athletes that would have been incredible athletes maybe didn't join a a school team or didn't join a league or didn't pursue it professionally because of the stigma of, of the drug war that they said... Oh well, I I get into my flow state with cannabis, or I get into my flow state after a psychedelics experience, and then they that uh kept kept them away from something. So it'll be interesting to see uh as we continue on our path, as um you know leagues potentially change policy. There was, uh, there was another article. So I was like looking for, for sports related articles to kind of spark our conversation. And there was another one I almost brought on the show and I'll tell you guys why I didn't, I didn't, because I was reading through the references cause I, I'm kind of picky. Uh, this one that we used this one that we used just barely passed the threshold and I'm glad <laughs> Anna like gave it a, gave it a, a nice critique. Um, but, uh, this other one, I was looking at the references and, uh, she's uh, the author said something that I didn't think was, was true. And I went to look at the reference and the reference was Wikipedia. Uh, and I was like, okay, uh, <laughs> I was like, okay. Uh, I'm not, I, I don't care that this article is a good jumping off point. I'm not bringing it on the show. Wow. Um, So uh anyways, um well, awesome. I uh, I want to just give everyone a chance before we wrap it up. You know, we've talked about so much stuff. We've talked about changing regulations around the world for psychedelics and cannabis. We've talked about um, the largest psychedelic gathering in history and a prominent uh, NFL star speaking there and kind of starting to blend these worlds together. We've talked about uh, cannabis as medicine in the sports context. So uh, does anyone have uh, final thoughts or things you'd like to share before we call it an episode?
3: There's really nothing that compares to the experience. And I think that the more people, and like really, Kalechi and Anna, it's really great that the two of you are using your platforms as athletes to be like, I do this stuff. Like, I do it. This is how it feels. This is how it works for me. And I, I know that that's not without risk. And I think it's really brave and I think it's really important. And we all like admire Aaron Rodgers. I think for what he's willing to do and say, but I just want to note, like the two of you are also doing that exact same thing. And it's really amazing. I really appreciate it. Yeah. No one gets out of this
2: life alive, so we might as well live it. And (laughs) and I, I really, you know, I really love, um, I mean, that was a little tongue in cheek, but I think, uh, the you know the idea for me that health and medicine is multidimensional you can't separate your physical health and well-being and performance from your mental and spiritual and emotional they're all tied together and that these you know psychedelic medicines are known to to interact and help with all of those dimensions and so um you know we think of medicine in western science and medicine as like, okay, when you're, when you're sick, you take this treatment for this condition to fix it. And really I think, you know, psychedelic medicines are a different model where this is something that you can be, you can be like kind of okay, but you can enhance your life. You can grow as a person and evolve. And the spiritual aspect is one that I think is um, you know, we haven't paid maybe enough attention to, and, you know, not maybe in the hippy-dippy way, but even sort of, there's some some studies out there where they showed that, um, I believe it was psilocybin mushrooms, you know, enhanced the spirituality of, um, including particular religious beliefs of the participants who took them. So it was like, whatever you already believed, it strengthened those connections to your faith um, in many cases, you know, are, are the... Anecdotes and reports we're hearing. So, you know, I, yeah, I just think uh, medicine is more than just what you take when you get sick. It's what you take to be well and to grow and as a human being.
0: Yeah, this has been so great, everyone. Uh, I think those are excellent uh, closing sentiments. Uh, listeners, thanks so much for joining us again. Um, thanks again for all our panelists today who joined, to our audio engineer, Joe Leonardo, to the cover artists, who create um, our custom album covers and make sure to join us at Psychedelic Science to continue the conversation.